thank you all for coming today to celebrate the Eucharist. As Jesus comes to us today, not only through his word, he comes in the person of himself, his body, blood, soul, and divinity here in the Eucharist. Now, good teachers take the time to review things with their students over and over as they revisit things to help them to learn lessons. Some teachers will use repetition when they are in math. Some teachers will use hands-on if you are in a shop class. Some teachers will use flashcards if we're trying to help to learn vocabulary. One teacher in second grade would try to help her students by trying to share a joke with them. So this teacher one day was looking at her students in a second grade class and she asked them, what did the left eye say to the right eye? The kids looked and they were puzzled and no one got it. So the teacher said, something between them smells. Isn't it amazing what we can learn when we try to study our face? We try to study our faith. And we are now in the fifth week of a continuous gospel of Mark that has implications as Jesus leaves to journey for the holy city of Jerusalem, where he will suffer, die, and rise. It's good to look at our last five weeks of lessons. Five weeks ago, when Jesus told Peter and the boys he was going to suffer and die and rise on the third day, Peter responded and said, Heaven forbid, Lord, you're my friend. That will not happen to you. Jesus said four words that's hard for anybody to hear. Get behind me, Satan. He invited you and me to get behind him, to follow him. The next week, he gives us recipe of what he's going to go through again in his suffering, dying, and rising. And he tells us three important things we need in the Christian life. We are called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and follow him. So he says to be a follower, we have suffering that we have to do ourselves. Three weeks ago, he teaches, starts three lessons as they start walking. The first one is we are called to be children who are humble, who are open, who are childlike, who are responsive to the things God desires. And that's why the word of God is spoken. Every mass is meant to be planted in your heart. So that the seeds of what is spoken will take root and grow as we learn to live wherever we are planted to help others to know Jesus. Now last weekend, we heard a lesson on marriage. On marriage, a man leaves his father and mother. Yes, he leaves home. He leaves a past hurts. He leaves everything to follow Jesus. He clings to his wife as he pursues her to be one, so that they may live as one in the world. Not that we live as two in the world and fuel our own ego and our struggles and build ourselves up. That means we share the faith as one. We share our common goals as one. We have our common dreams as one. 
That means we go grocery shopping together. It means we do things together rather than separate as we live as one. This weekend, we have our third and final lesson. The rich young man. As our Lord talks to us about possessions. Why would Jesus teach these three things to be childlike about our marriage and about our possessions as he goes to suffer, die, and rise? Because these are the things we need in order and in place before we die ourselves. And they are our temporal affairs that must be in place. It's very important because many people do not think of heavenly terms of death they think of worldly terms of death. To enter into today's set of readings, I was reminded as I prepared this week to look through my life through a lens, through the light of Christ. And when I was a young man in my 20s, I remember playing in a very competitive volleyball league of 16 teams every year. And every year our goal was to be a top three team and this one particular year, after playing 18 weeks, it was championship night and we were all hyped. And I remember going up to block a guy on the other side of the net against me, and my ankle could be heard grinding by everyone in the gym. I rolled my ankle on the kneecap of the man I was blocking. And my ankle became the size of a grapefruit. In fact, they took me to the bench. They had to cut my shoe off. And everyone in the gym heard the sound. And what I like to think about is how helpful x-rays are when we allow the light of Christ into our hearts. It was only through the x-rays that a fracture was revealed and not a break. It was only through the x-rays did the doctor know how to approach the treatment for my ankles, to elevate them, to put them on ice. It was only through the x-ray that I was able to find relief. But then I got to thinking about how important that x-ray machine really is when it comes to our faith. How important it is to look at our heart through x-rays in our relationship with God. The readings today are like an x-ray machine. They shed a light on a lot of things and they illuminate the darkness within our hearts. That's why the letter to the Hebrews is so important for us as Christians. Why? It helps us to understand what the readings are about what we heard today. The author to Hebrews says the word of God is living and effective. God wants to plant the seeds in your heart. But if we're not like childlike, we're never going to hear a word he says. If we're not open and responsive and acting upon what God says, we will never get there. But the author goes on to say that the word of God is not only living and effective, it is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating soul and spirit, able to discern the things that are of God. I think it would be interesting if we took a poll today after Mass, 
at both entrances, what all three readings were about, how many people could actually articulate them. Not that we will do that, but are we open to the Word of God? Do we allow it to grow? Because Jesus is the divine physician. His x-rays are the Word of God to shed light in our darkness. And when we come together for the Mass, the same body, blood, soul, and divinity that hung on the cross at Holy Communion wants to enter into our heart. That's why the readings prepare our hearts to receive the living God in the Eucharist. As we flip to today's Gospel, we get the story of the rich young man. I think it's important to understand his posture. We can gloss over these words. We hear this rich young man ran to Jesus and knelt before him. How often do we run to Jesus in our good times? I think so many times in my own life when things are going well, my prayer becomes less because I don't think I need God. How about when things go horrible? Yes, it is then we run. But do we run to God every day? Do we kneel before God every day? That's a posture for all of us as we run to the Creator as creatures. The rich young man, when he's kneeling and running to Jesus today, asks one question that all of us can ask at this Holy Eucharist. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Do I have my temporal affairs in line, Lord? And Jesus responds. For those of you that are married, you could ask this question in a different way. What must I do to get my spouse to heaven and my children God has provided me with? Notice where Jesus starts today. He starts with the scriptures, the Ten Commandments. Ten ways that we are called to live in relationship with God. And the young man is pretty proud of himself and he opens up his mouth and it gets him in trouble. He says, Lord, I have kept all of these from my youth. But what does Jesus say? He says, young man, you are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have. Give your money to the poor and then get behind me to follow me. Pay attention to the posture of this man. This man becomes very sad very quickly. But notice this man does not have a name. This man is you and me. It's not the advice he was looking for from the Lord. So what did he do? He went away sad. Jesus is not talking about money in today's gospel. He is talking about your temporal affairs. Jesus wants to show this man today how he will be completely happy in his path to heroism and how he can attain true happiness. But what does the man say? No thanks, Lord. I'm not interested. I've got this on my own. How many times do we do this to God? That's why the Lord calls us to be children, to be humble, to be open, to be responsive to His holy will. 
That's why when we come to this altar, we pray for God to purify our heart and our intentions to cure us that we may be conformed to Him. That's why visiting the classrooms these past few weeks, one of the things I've talked about, because I think we've lost the notion of sin in the world today, what is sin? Sin in essence is saying, Lord, I know what you want me to do. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. And this is what the rich young man gets himself into trouble with today. That's why he's sad. He does not allow God to fulfill him at the deepest desire of his heart. So I want to ask you, what gets in your way of achieving happiness? What gets in your way of being completely fulfilled by God? Could it be wealth? Could it be sports? Could it be relationships? Or prestige? Or honor? Or vanity? But notice what Jesus does today. He does not judge the man. If we look at this gospel, Jesus looks at him with love. Because Jesus only wants what is best for him, and he wants him to be completely happy. What about you and me? What if you and I were in the rich young man's shoes today? Is there anything that our Lord would ask us to leave behind? And if he did, would we let it go? We have a choice. And that's where the first reading today through the x-ray machine helps us to understand what is prudent, what is wisdom. What is the difference between wisdom and knowledge? We can have the most smarts in the world, but if we don't have wisdom, we're not going to get very far. Why? Wisdom is to see things as God sees them. Knowledge is to see things and know things as the world knows them. How do we pray for wisdom? Because every choice, every day, we are either with God in wisdom, with the x-ray machine, or we are against him, as a rich young man walked away sad today. That's why I think it's important. How am I responsive to the word of God? Do I even care what God has to say to me? That's a choice right there. Because without God, there is no eternal life. There is no rising and no saving if there is not a Savior. And if we have a Savior, that presupposes we have to be saved from something. That's why all of us are sinners. We gather as a family today at this altar, asking God to fulfill us one more time, to give us what we need to be completely happy, but we have to do our part and act upon it. Today, Lord, give us the grace to follow you all the way to Calvary. Even though there is suffering involved, without dying, there is no rising. Help us to die to ourself and to you, Lord, that we may be completely content, fulfilled, and happy, that we can live heaven on earth this day. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Amen.